Hello, and welcome to the next episode of Trials with Maya Z, brought to you by TrialHub, a data intelligence platform that helps clinical research organizations and sponsors plan clinical trials. This podcast is about how we can make clinical trials more successful and patient-friendly. I am your host, Maya Z, and in every episode, I will be interviewing a leading expert from various industries in order to discuss some of the major challenges and brainstorm how we can solve them. Let's get started. Hello, everyone. I'm super excited to have today Yuri with me, one of my first guests on my podcast, Trials with Maya Z. Yuri is the CEO of Pharmaxy, a clinical research organization based out of Ukraine, now having a, an office in Poland. And um, he was one of the first people I wanted to invite to this podcast because um, I wanted for him actually to share with all of us what it's like to, to run clinical trials in Ukraine prior to the war and after the war. But first, Yuri, please tell us a little bit more about yourself, about your company. I would thank you, Maya, for introduction. Thank you for everyone. Thank you for sharing your time with us. I, Yuri Lebe, CEO of Formoxy. And we have been established almost 10 years ago as a Ukrainian company. Now we have all types of services inside our company to conduct a clinical trial in Ukraine, Poland, and in Eastern Europe. So we have everything from medical writing to data management and statistical expertise. It's good to, to be with, with you here today and to speak about clinical research market prior to the war and to speak a little bit about current situation. Thanks, Yuri. Mentioning the market, I, I decided to check what it was like uh, running a clinical trial in Ukraine prior to the war. And I just saw briefly some stats that really amazed me. I always knew that Ukraine is one of the top recruiting countries, but I didn't know that from the entire world, it's number eight on numbers of people recruited in clinical trials, which is incredible. So can you share with us actually what it was like to run a clinical trial in Ukraine prior to starting the war? Oh, thank you. That, that's a very good question. And I can say that uh, maybe it is surprisingly, but uh, for us, it's not a big surprise because uh, we know that Ukraine historically is a very good country for clinical trials, basically uh, because of early adoption of uh, GCP standards. It occurs almost 20 years ago. Uh, so legislation uh, has been harmonized with uh, European and US legislation. And from, from this time, we started to, to train investigators uh, to, to learn more about best practices. And uh, many CROs established uh, their offices here in Ukraine. Uh, they were really successful because uh, enrollment rate historically is much higher in other European countries. And this fact attracts a lot of customers and sponsors, sponsors to initiate clinical trials here. Uh, and even big pharmaceutical companies established here big research units to, to manage clinical trials uh, here. And I would say that we have three most important factors why we are 
some kind of leading a country in terms of recruitment quality. The first factor is that Ukraine is a big country. It was 40 million. It has maybe 35 million or 30 million, but it's quite, quite a big number of citizens. And then we have a centralized healthcare system where we have network of small hospitals, which are linked with uh, uh, big regional hospitals, uh, a very high number of patients, uh, which visit the, the clinic and uh, it is a big resource uh, for screening patients to, uh, in order to find proper patients to be included in clinical trial. Uh, so it's like a constant flow of patients uh, and the investigators can evaluate this patient as valid for particular clinical trial or not. And uh, the third factor of success is that uh, in Ukraine, average salary for a doctor is, is not very high. It's not so high as, as in Europe. It's not so good as in USA. So investigators are actively involved in this process. They try to be efficient. They try to create their own referral networks. They maintain these referral networks between different investigators and some trial initiated in the hospital. Uh, that this investigator sometimes called by, by different investigators and they say, oh, I have this patient for you. Uh, hmm. Also maintained on, uh, on some automat autonomic level. Uh, no one invests in these networks, but investigators try to develop and maintain it because it is good resource for, for their monthly income mm -hmm. and some addition to their salary. So they are very motivated to be efficient, to provide data in a good quality and, and on timely manner. In the end, we had many FDA and EMA inspections and audits of top recruiting sites and they, they've been is successful. Uh, so these are uh, three important factors. We have also additional factor, which is about non-global coverage of insurance for patients. So patient is also motivated to be involved in clinical trial because it gives him free medication, uh, diagnostic procedures, other benefits. Yeah. So if I'm to summarize. Uh, a big portion of the success of Ukraine in clinical research is the fact that it's a big country with big population. And this population is very eager to get access to new sorts of treatments. And that's like clinical trials are their only way in a way. And being be, these people being organized in a centralized system, uh, concrete hospitals, the big hospitals, but also the regional hospitals provide the investigators with easy access to these patients. But one thing that really surprised me, Yuri, I have to say, is the fact that these investigators have organized an internal system where they even suggest to each other different patients so that they can support each other. And um, I remember my early days in clinical research, maybe 15 years ago, uh, I remember how much we were discussing with different stakeholders, how we can build referral programs and they never worked among doctors, but I can see that this organically somehow happened in Ukraine, which is great. Okay, so um, yeah, again, before we started uh, the conversation, I also checked uh, 
how many clinical trials were ongoing in, in Ukraine um, when the war started. And I remember, if I'm not mistaken, it was around 600 clinical trials were ongoing. So a big number. What happened afterwards? Oh, then we had uh, big problems. And in the first three or four weeks, it was complete destruction. No one knows what's happened and investigators don't really willing to, to speak with us about clinical trials because yeah. main, main motivation and main, main fear was about their physical safety and their family safety. In, in one or two months, we discovered that, that investigators wants to, to speak about ongoing trials, but they don't want to speak about uh, new ones. Six months later, when uh, they checked, when they know Pharmaxi is only one company now, uh, which initiate new trials and submit new trials. Uh, so now they just call into us constantly and say, we can see that you are the only one company which adjusted to this situation. And please keep our center in mind to, uh, to involve in, in your, in your projects and your clinical trials. I would say that in our newly started clinical trials, we have very good enrollment rate and it was a big surprise for us. It was not so evident, but uh, due to the absence of internal competition inside hospital, inside the study site, all patients which are available, they enrolled in, in our clinical studies. And this gives us even much more better dynamics before the war, surprisingly. Yeah, I was going to ask you exactly that because you were the person uh, behind the first clinical trial post-war times. And I'm very excited to learn actually what it's like to run a clinical trial during war times. Um, you mentioned three, actually four factors for being successful, for why Ukraine is successful in clinical research. Are these factors still relevant or maybe are there other factors making Ukraine successful in clinical trials today? In general, I think that the, those uh, those factors are still relevant. We yes, we we lost some population uh, due to immigration during first several months, okay. and we lost millions. It's true, but in, in the end, uh, we we are more than thirty million people here in Ukraine. It's it it remains quite quite good number. A centralized healthcare system works as always. And uh, the, the main motivation uh, to be involved in clinical trials for uh, investigators and patients, uh, they became mm -hmm. even, even bigger. Even bigger. Even yeah. bigger, yes, because very famous and, and productive clinical sites before the war, they have been somehow uh, relaxed by multiple projects. Uh, yes. So we yeah. have enough patients, we have a big number of uh, the ongoing trials, they are not really motivated and they, they can choose between one study or second study. They can say, oh, this investigator fee is not, is not so big. So please find another study site. So some issues have been linked with, with this big number of trials. Now everyone is motivated. They say, okay, we, we're ready to be involved for less investigator fee or per patient. 
we would like to be involved. For example, if we say about rare disease or diseases with, with a very big competition between clinical trials, now we have these patients who are actively looking for clinical trials. They try to find this trial. Someday for this patient, there were seven, 10,000 euros just finding fee for this mm-hmm. uh, And now they, we have patients who are looking for Crohn's disease, for example, or hemophilia study. They are looking for these projects. It will not cost some thousands mm-hmm. anymore. I hope you're enjoying this episode. If you find this topic relevant, you'll find it helpful to book a demo with our team on trialhub.com. Since 2019, we've supported more than 3,000 clinical trials with country, site, and patient feasibility. We'd love to show you how and help you get your trial right from the start. And now, back to my guests. I guess the sad side of the things is that the people uh, will be even more incentivized by the fact that the clinical trial provides even more, more support and more care. Because being in a clinical trial, you have to be monitored sometimes 24 hours, and that might provide them with an additional motivation for them to be a part of a clinical trial, uh, since the healthcare system might be challenged in one way or another. So what are the new challenges in running a clinical trial nowadays in Ukraine? I think that maybe the big challenge is to speak with sponsors. On this phase, okay. the biggest challenge, because when you use say to to people uh, through through the TV or, or other medias, uh, oh, Ukraine is constantly bombed and it is a very high risk. And this picture is somehow corrupted or not, not very clear reflection of what we, we have here right now. Yeah. We say about Kiev, Western region, central Ukraine, uh, Maybe if if you will be here, you will you will know you will not notice any any sign of the war. So supermarkets are full, streets are crowded, traffic jams every evening, and the restaurants are open. So it's it's very close to, mm-hmm. to our whole life. Uh, maybe we have some problems with electricity from time to time. It is the the only mm-hmm. one uh, challenge, but uh, hospitals and uh, Institutions are now uh, equipped with, with diesel generator and alternative uh, power supply. So now this, this factor is eliminated. Uh, so the, 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 the biggest problem now is to, to speak with sponsor and to say that uh, the real war is 600 kilometer to the east from, from the uh, capital of Ukraine. And this border, border line is now dangerous. But uh, when uh, customers and sponsors ask me, uh, okay, do you see any, any risks in clinical trials when you, uh, you live in Kiev? I, I answer to them that, guys, in, in this flat, I live with my family, yeah. with my daughter, and I, I do not try to, uh, to send uh, them out somewhere in Europe or, or in, in Germany or somewhere, I live with them here. And maybe this is the best evidence that I consider this risk of, of physical damage as very low. 
Yeah, I think we discussed that uh, in, in previous code that uh, you lived in, for a while outside of Kiev. Yeah. Uh, and, and suddenly your daughter felt, oh, maybe it's it's better to go back that is, I, I want to have my room back. And you decided to go back. And once you were at home, you really felt at home and secured. Um, so does that mean that there is no, um, you don't need to think about any extra measures when it comes to patient safety or maybe the data safety? I think that we have to think about you know, small chance of, of the okay. data, data damage. We had our own EDC system and, uh, for example, uh, the servers for this system is located in Frankfurt. So in Germany and uh, no risks for data safety yeah. in this regard. Uh, also, we, uh, we store our documents in cloud uh, storage. It could be uh, OneDrive cloud storage uh, or Google Drive uh, and all those storages are completely safe. Uh, and uh, one of the, of the measures is that to, um, to store primary documentation and scans in all of this cloud storages. And we try to update electronic systems with patients data as fast as possible and to not to keep it in, in paper format. Mm. It, those are the mitigation factors or activities to, uh, to guarantee that data are completely safe. And for example, now we speak with you via, via Starlink. Uh, so yeah. it, it is also a risk mitigating uh, strategy and uh, action to uh, to stay online no matter what. Yeah, that's great. Um, and what about startup timelines? Um, what it was like when you submitted the first clinical trial to the ethics committee to the local institution? Yeah, you know, I hope that uh, if we are alone for Maxi. Only one company which submits clinical trials. It could be maybe within several days, uh, but uh, it was some some bureaucratic procedure, uh, and the state expert center evaluated our documents for uh, for one week, and uh, then it was uh, really fast because we had fast line for COVID nineteen trials, and uh, these trials have been approved within ten days. Can you imagine? Yeah. Ten, ten I can't imagine, but wow. Yeah, it's, it's, it's incredible. So it's not 60 days, it's, it's 90 days. Uh, I have said the hope that it could be really fast, but I never expect that it, it will be so fast. Yeah. But, but now we have this timelines for COVID-19 trials, uh, so we, we can spend the seven uh, 10 days for approval procedure. It's really fast and uh, we have several approvals for COVID-19 trials. Uh, and I think that, that other projects will also uh, move it really fast uh, because yeah. an additional advantage of this time is that CROs uh, are just continuing ongoing clinical trials. They did not initiate any new trials. Because this, these are big companies, they did not decide how to act in, in these uh, circumstances. But uh, the, the load on regulatory agency is quite low. Ethic commis commissions are, are not, not really loaded. And uh, uh, for, 
some time uh, once once other companies decided to restart activities here uh, we have a good benefit as as a very fast-acting company and country well i hope yuri that uh, many people uh, representatives of companies you are going to hear this conversation and we feel a little bit more comfortable exploring again Ukraine as a clinical trial destination. Um, I'm, yeah, I'm personally convinced of all of the factors that you mentioned that make uh, Ukraine really good country for clinical trials. And from what I see, you've already managed the situation and you, you moved on. Um, generally speaking, COVID-19, the war in Ukraine, these are all factors that really had to kind of like shake us a little bit and start thinking about clinical trials, maybe in a different way. But if I have to summarize from what I've seen so far, it's all in the right direction to be more agile, to be more flexible, to customize our approach. And if there are more companies like yours, Yuri, to be able to really like change their strategy accordingly, I think that we will be all successful. So. Any last words that you want to share with us, Yuri, before we end up this episode? Yeah, thank you. First of all, I would like to thank you, uh, Maya, for this conversation and uh, for your belief in Ukraine, uh, for your passion to clinical trials. I, I feel this this bright and uh, this light from your eyes when you say about clinical trials. Uh, and I wish you all the best in your journey. Same to you, Yuri. Thank you very much for this conversation. I hope more people connect with Yuri and learn more about Ukraine now. Thank you, Yuri, once again. Hope you enjoyed listening to Trials with Maya Z. If you're interested to hear more about how clinical trials can serve patients globally, subscribe to the podcast on Spotify, Apple Podcasts, and Google Podcasts. Have a great day.